Let me pray for us. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of a new day. Thank you for gathering us together uh, to worship you both here in person and wherever we may be uh, watching online. We ask now that your spirit would uh, empower us, equip us and enable us to understand your word better, to apply it to our hearts and minds that we might live in the world as disciples of Christ. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, I wonder if I might get you to uh, think a little bit about the nicest person you've ever met. Who's the nicest person you've ever met? And obviously, don't think of me, like the second nicest person uh, you've ever met. Uh, What is it, as you're thinking about that person, that made them so... So nice. Often it's kindness or a gentle nature, their genuineness, Uh, the fact you've never heard them say a bad word about anyone. There's a a lot to be said, isn't there, for those genuinely super uh, nice people and the reason I want you to think about those kind of warm fuzzy feelings of of nice people that we've met as we start uh, our uh, reflections on the reading this morning is because uh, today we see how much greater God is than even the nicest of people that we can uh, imagine. Uh, We see the, 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 the warmth that we feel as individuals because of his unending grace and love towards us. And we're going to see uh, all these things that God promises for us as his children uh, in a moment. But first, uh, it's important to recap where we've been as we've been working our way for probably three months now through this book of Romans. You'll remember that Paul is the, the author. He writes to the church in Rome, a church he's not yet visited Uh, And he writes basically to outline the the gospel in which he and this church uh, are partners. And he says to the church, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to Jew and then Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. And in those opening uh, verses, verses 16 and 17 of chapter 1, Paul really sums up what the book of Romans is going to be all about. The gospel, the good news story about Jesus through which sinful humanity is saved and made righteous and holy by God. And of course, he then goes on for a few chapters and they were uh, depressing weeks. We were all online in our homes and week after week as we worked our way through the first couple of chapters, uh, Paul outlines the problem, the problem that all humanity has, wrath and the judgment that we deserve. I was recently uh, chatting with someone who uh, asked me whether uh, the fire and brimstone had kind of gone out of church these days and, uh, and that this was uh, possibly a good thing. And I thought to myself, who's saying it, well, 
not when you're preaching through Romans. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it's right, isn't it? Because uh, there's some serious home truths that Paul brings in these opening chapters. Verse 18, the wrath of God, of chapter 1, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Or 2.12, all who sin apart from the law will also perish apart from the law. All who sin under the law will be judged by the law. Everyone faces this problem. God has standards and we fall short because of sin. Verse 3.20, Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that's a big problem, because falling short of his standards, uh, sinning before God, uh, Paul actually describes us in chapter 5, verse 10, as God's enemies. This is a, this is a, this is a real problem that humanity faces. It's alienation from God. And it's a problem we all share yeah, Paul, you'll remember Paul says, because we all share in the sin of Adam in chapter 5. 5 verse 12, as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all because all sinned. This is the, the problem, and Paul lays it out over and over and over and over again as, as we've seen working our way through the book. But of course, he lays out the problem so that he can show the majesty of the solution, the road out of, of wrath and judgment and enemy of God. And the road out is grace, not works. And of course, that is uh, uh, one of the sort of big fundamental things that people struggle with still to this day, thinking that, if I've fallen short of God's standards, then I better work my way back up to them. Work harder, do more good, give more money to charity, uh, be on the right side of certain causes. But Paul tells us time and time again that actually works only bring death. And instead we need to trust Jesus. So 3.24 and 25, all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because he, in his forbearance he left the sins, beforehand, sins committed beforehand unpunished. Or back in uh, chapter 5, verse 10, where we're described as enemies of God, he says, Paul says very next, but we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. We are saved by faith in what God has done for us through sending his son. And of course, Paul gives the great example of Abraham in chapter 4 as, as the exemplar of salvation from a gracious God by an act of faith. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And then Paul sort of talks about why, uh, even though that's the case, what we do still matters. We, need to, we do need to have a holiness of living, but we do that because we've been united with Christ by faith. 
We know that our old self was crucified with him, Romans 6, verses 6 and 7, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. And so we find ourselves in this new reality if we put our faith and trust in Jesus. We go from wrath, uh, people under the wrath of God, under the judgment of God, enemies of God, and through faith in Christ who, who dies to take that punishment, who dies to remove the wrath, we find ourselves on the other side, set free from sin, united with Christ in his death and in his resurrection life so that now we can be empowered by God's spirit to live our lives for God. And, we, and, so, and we seek to live our lives for God, not in our own strength, like the person Paul describes in Romans 7, but rather as a spirit-filled Christian. There is now no condemnation, chapter 8, verse 1, for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ the, the, Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. This is that new reality that you and I can live in if we love the Lord Jesus and put our faith and trust in him. Spirit-filled life. Uh, Spirit-fueled putting death to sin. Spirit-filled hearts that uh, testify that we are children of God. And... Uh, 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 the Spirit helping us as we live our life in this broken and sinful world to know that God is really and truly with us. And last week, because chapter 8, all these lovely things that we read in chapter 8 is really framed by suffering, the suffering that you and I experience as we seek to live out our lives in this world affected by sin. And now we come to the, 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 this climax of this chapter about the love of God for us in the face of suffering. And we learn five things about God's uh, passion for his people and uh, what it means for us to really have experienced this transformation from being alienated enemies to loved children. And the first thing we see in our reading today, is that God is for us. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? God is for his children. He is for us because he has called us. Just the very preceding verses, verses 28 through 30, we've been predestined, called, justified, glorified by God. He is for us. Though the powers of hell may set themselves against us, they will not prevail because God is on our side. He will achieve his purposes of bringing us to that future glory which we wait for in the here and now. And as we uh, reflect on these things that Paul says, the, the reason I wanted to go through that, that recap is to, to help you marvel at just how wonderful this is. You're so undeserving of having God for you. God should be against you. 
but he lo- in his love, he sent his son to die for you and by faith, he is now for you. And nothing can prevail against his purposes for you. God is for us and God will give us all things, verse 32. He did, who did not spare his own son but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Paul says, given what you know about what God has done for you, sending his son into the world to die, to, to, to sort out the, the biggest problem you have, being alienated from him, Given you believe that and you trust that and you have faith in that, of course you can believe and trust that God has got this day in, you, in his hands. He's got you in his hands. He will give you all that you need. Echoing the words there of, of Jesus in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. The Lord will provide us with all that we need because he is for us. But not only is he for us, not only will he give us all that we need, but he also will bring us no condemnation. Who will bring any charge, verse 33, against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Now there are plenty of people who accuse us of all sorts of things. Uh, I had an interesting experience uh, just last night. Uh, where I was uh, out with some people uh, for some drinks uh, and I hadn't met one of the people and uh, we were chatting uh, and somehow um, the church's view and my views on same-sex marriage started being discussed. Uh, And uh, it was like very awkward um, because I could fully see this person who I was talking to uh, have a real change in their uh, like like their attitude towards me from like thinking I was a nice guy uh, to um, kind of like not so sure that she really wanted to talk to me anymore uh, and and I could kind of see like she tried to kind of have a bit of back and forth and we we had a bit of back and forth and it was okay but um, I don't think she wanted to be, I don't think I made a new friend. Let's put it that way. People accuse us of all sorts of things, in that case uh, of bigotry, but, but worse than that, uh, the devil's work is to accuse us. So in Revelation 12, the devil is called the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses us before God day and night. It's the devil's work not only to try and accuse us before God, which won't work because we're with Christ, but the devil works in our hearts as well so that we accuse ourselves. How often have you doubted that God's grace was really enough? that truly you were saved by faith. I, I need to do something because I've just done something really bad. We accuse ourselves, the devil accuses us. Others accuse us. 
We condemn ourselves. Oh, I need, to, I need to add works to my salvation because faith can't be enough. I'm a really bad person. But God will not condemn you. Not because you're a good person, but because of Jesus. Verse 34. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. I love that picture. You, you know, we've got in Revelation, we've got the devil standing there saying, That Chris Bowditch is a dirty, rotten sinner. He doesn't deserve to be in the kingdom of God. He's done this and he's done that and he's had these thoughts and these lies. He said these lies and he's, he's had these bad, done these bad things. And you've got Jesus who stands there and says, no, I died for him. He's with me. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Isn't that truly fascinating, like truly wonderful? That because of Christ's death, resurrection, exaltation, and now intercession at the right hand of God for us, there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Wow. God is for us. He will give us all things. He will not condemn us. And he will never leave us. Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Paul there trying to really catch all the kind of really bad situations one can find himself in. Trouble, hardship, persecution, the, the pressures and distresses of an ungodly and hostile world. Famine and nakedness, the lack of adequate supplies, food, clothing, uh, danger, sword, the risk of death, perhaps from persecution or, or for other reasons. None of these things will cause God to leave us. None of these things will separate us from God. And Paul, in verse 36, quotes from Psalm 43, which is where uh, the, the psalmist talks about how Israel, even though he, she suffered for being uh, loyal to God, uh, she was still kept with God. Now, this is a big claim to make, isn't it? That not even death or any of the other bad stuff that happens in your life can separate you from God's love. None of it. Trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness. There is nothing, danger, sword, nothing that can separate you from God's love, that will cause God to leave you. And it's great, I think, that it's Paul who tells us this because we know that Paul lived through every one of those experiences. Let me read to you from 2 Corinthians uh, 11 where, where Paul outlines... Uh, uh, the kind of life he's lived as an apostle of Christ. Uh, he's he's uh, leaving aside what he's doing in 2 Corinthians. He's having this sort of uh, argument about what you should boast in as a Christian uh, and as a Christian leader. But he, uh, So he goes on to list the, the sufferings he's had. And he says, I have worked much harder, 
been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have laboured and toiled, and I have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst, and I have often gone on without food. I have been cold and naked and I can write down who shall separate us from the love of Christ. Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or sword? No. No. In all things, verse 37, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. How remarkable. How remarkable. For Paul says, I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. No matter what you're going through, the worst of times, the, the, the scariest of worldly powers, a, a battle with cosmic ones, no matter what, God will always love you in, through, through faith in Christ Jesus. Paul affirms here that God's purposes will never be frustrated. He will always be for us. His generosity will never be quenched because he sent his son to die for us. And if he's willing to do that, he'll be willing to do more. Those who... Uh, his children will not be accused or condemned because he has justified us through Christ. And we can never lose his love because he has shown it so clearly in Jesus. God is for us. He will give us all things. He will not condemn you. He will never leave you. He will always love you. This is the good news of the gospel. That those people, you and me, who used to be his enemies because of sin, now stand as loved children, free from condemnation and fear. Wow. Our world is longing for this gospel. I don't know if you've been following the uh, American politics. I try not to follow it as much as possible, but it's sort of one of those things that for some reason, I've, I mean, I've do, I, I, I do well enough to try and care about Australian politics, let alone some other countries. But if you've seen their, the, the, the Democratic Party have recently had their uh, nomination meeting or whatever they call it uh, and uh, they've elected Joe Biden to be the, the uh, candidate for Trump and it was really interesting. So you listen to the language that some of the, the presenters had and, and, and they basically said Joe Biden is our saviour. He's going to save us from Trump and the world needs saving from Trump. 
and America needs saving from Trump because, you know, for whatever reason, particularly his handling of coronavirus. And I thought to myself, wow, isn't that interesting that you would put such a burden on a man? But when you don't have God in the picture and you've still got all the problems, the wrath of God has been revealed against Sinful humanity, like God has handed us over to our sin and, and the world is full of problems because of it and we all know it and we all want to fix it. And if we choose not to go with God's solution, then we're left with poor substitutes like Joe Biden or Donald Trump or Scott Morrison or Bob Brown or whoever it might be that floats your political boat. This world is broken. It will never be perfect. It will always be hard. But God has invited you into a relationship with him. He's invited you to step out of the brokenness and to have a taste of a world that is made right through faith in Jesus Christ and life by the Spirit. And when you do that, he will be for you. He will give you all that you need. He will never condemn you. You will be totally free from condemnation. He will never leave your side. He will always be with you and you will always know that you are loved. This is our God. And I hope that you'll deepen your trust in him today. That you'll take a step into deeper relationship and that you will know that you can never lose his love, that he will always hold on to you and that he asks you simply to trust and believe and obey. This is our God. Amen.